Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard Monorail Supply Co.'s podcast. Our next stop is a world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. Now, introducing our pilot, Kenzie. Hello, my lovely humans, and welcome back to the Monorail Supply Co. podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie, and I am so glad that you are here. In today's episode, we are going to cover what the biggest differences are between Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World. I get asked this question so often, which one should I vacation at? Is one better than the other? And which one is better for me and my family? So the purpose of this topic is to empower you with the necessary information you need to make an informed decision about the best location for your vacation or to compare the experiences if you have only visited one and you're curious about the other. Alternatively, if you have been to both, I hope that this discussion can help serve you in a way to keep the magic alive until your next trip home to the magic. Before we dive into today's topic, I wanted to say thank you to Mark for leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. His review says, My wife listens in the car and I can confidently say that Kenzie provides honest and useful information for anyone planning on traveling to Disney. Whether you are a rare, moderate, or constant Disney visitor, this podcast is worth listening to. So Mark, thank you so much and a huge thank you to your wife as well. By leaving that five-star review, you are enabling more people to be able to find this podcast and you are helping me make my dreams come true. Please consider leaving a five-star review for your chance to be featured in next week's episode. Okay, let's dive into today's topic. So for those that do not know, Disneyland Resort is in Anaheim, California, and Walt Disney World is located near Orlando, Florida. There are so many differences between the two, and we're going to focus on a lot of the really important, I would say, higher level topics in today's episode, starting with the parks themselves. So at Disneyland, it has two parks, Disneyland, and Disney California Adventure. It has three resorts and a shopping district called Downtown Disney. It's roughly around 500 acres. Due to its size, you can easily walk between all three areas pretty much as much as you want. While Disney World has four theme parks, two water parks, and over 25 resorts, they also have a couple of golf courses and a shopping district called Disney Springs and an area for competitions called ESPN World of Sports. It also has two miniature golf courses which are very fun, and it's roughly 43 square miles in size. To put that into perspective, that is twice the size of Manhattan, so it is a little bit harder to navigate. The next category I wanted to cover is walkability and transportation. At Disneyland Resort, you can easily walk between all three areas, which I know I just mentioned, but that means that park hopping is very easy. So you can go back and forth several times in one day without the additional time or burden of transportation and it's really easy to get to wherever you need to go in a short amount of time. You can even walk from most of the hotels. All of the Disney hotels you can walk from, but even the Good Neighbor hotels or even other off-site options are very walkable for Disneyland. At Walt Disney World, overall walkability isn't as good because of the size. You can walk between some of the areas, but overall you are going to need other transportation to get around. Luckily, Walt Disney World makes this very easy and there are a lot of 
creative ways to get around Walt Disney World, including things like buses and Skyliners, boats, monorails, and ferries, and all of them are free. Whether you're staying at a Walt Disney World resort or not, you can take all of the free transportation options, which is very nice. And then of course, there are the paid options, such as the Ubers and Lyfts, and even something called minivans, which are a really cute way to get around Disney property. Due to Walt Disney World's size, park hopping takes a lot of time. It's not easy to get from one place to another without the burden of extra transportation time, which not only includes the transportation itself, but also includes waiting for the transportation, especially during busier times, like first thing in the morning when everyone's trying to get there for rope drop or at the end of the night. Transportation times can be long. Everything in general is more spread out at Walt Disney World, so it's definitely harder to get a lot done over a shorter amount of time, I would say, especially if you're trying to go from one location to another. So it's really important to be mindful at Walt Disney World of where you are and trying to take advantage of what's around you as much as you can. Of course, park hopping is also a very fun option. You just have to plan accordingly and probably don't plan on hopping more than once per day. Walt Disney World does have a couple of resorts where you can walk to one or two parks, but they also come with a very large price tag. So that is definitely an advantage of Disneyland Resort is you can stay at a good neighbor hotel right across the street and still be a walking distance to Disneyland Resort. Speaking of resorts, Disneyland only has three hotels that are owned by Disney. So many guests do stay off site. The Disney owned hotels are obviously great options and they are wonderful resorts, but they are all extremely expensive. None of them are very cost efficient in my opinion. Of course, everyone's tolerance for that is different, so it just kind of depends on what your budget is. But luckily, there are many good neighbor hotels and other hotels that are a short walking distance or even a short Uber ride away at various price points. So no matter what your budget is, you do have a lot of options at Disneyland Resort. I would say that one of the biggest cons of Disneyland Resort is that because a lot of guests do have to stay off-site, it does kind of give less of a Disney bubble vibe, if you will, because you have to leave the magic and kind of go somewhere else and return to the quote-unquote real world in between, which I know is a first world problem, but it is a vast difference from staying somewhere like Walt Disney World where you never have to leave the Disney bubble. So that brings us to Walt Disney World where most guests do stay on site since there are many resorts at various different price points. It gives you, again, more of that Disney bubble feeling since you never have to leave the magic and Disney makes things very easy no matter what resort you're staying at by giving you various transportation options to get to the parks, the water parks, or Disney Springs for free, and they do make it very easy for you. The next category is overall feel. So Disneyland is rich with Disney history. It was built under the direction of Walt Disney, and it was the first Disney park to open. You get to walk where Walt Disney walked, and there is no better feeling if you are a Disney history buff in any way, shape, or form. You can just feel a difference at Disneyland versus Walt Disney World. Disneyland feels like a warm hug, it's quaint, it's charming, and it definitely has more of an intimate feel. Of course, that's reflected in the size being smaller, but it also has a different overall feel that's a little hard to put into words, but I did the best that I could for you. I will say another huge difference for Disneyland is they do tend to pay more attention to detail, and you can really notice it if you've been to Walt Disney World before because Disneyland is pretty immaculate and every small detail is always taken care of. Disneyland also has a lot more roaming characters, although recently Walt Disney 
Disney World is starting to get into that a little bit more with the princesses in Fantasyland. So I hope they continue that trend. But that's a regular occurrence at Disneyland throughout the day, not just at night in one land. Of course, Disneyland's castle is very small. So if you've been to Walt Disney World and you've seen that huge Cinderella castle, you're probably going to be underwhelmed and maybe slightly disappointed if you don't realize that it is much smaller, but it is the original. So you have to love it anyway. Walt Disney World, on the other hand, feels massive. It is huge. Everything is so spread out and it takes a long time to get from one thing to another, one land to another, one park to another. But it does come with a lot of advantages because everything has the opportunity to be bigger there because there is more space. That also means that there is way more to do with more parks, more lands, more restaurants, things like mini golf courses to add to the experience, more resorts. It really does feel like more of a vacation destination. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, the castle is huge and it is like a true dream and storybook. You can even eat in the castle, which is a really unique experience and visit some of the princesses. So I definitely love the castle at Walt Disney World. Another huge difference is the weather. At Disneyland, because it is located in Anaheim, California, it typically has moderate temperatures and limited rain. I will say as someone who is used to a warm and hot and humid climate though, to me, it usually feels cold, but it really all just depends on where you're coming from, to be honest. It also just depends on the time of year because there are definitely times where Disneyland gets to be over 100 degrees and it is really warm there too. So I always recommend that you kind of look at historical weather patterns for the time of year you're considering going if you are curious on what it may look like during your trip. While Disney World, on the other hand, is near Orlando, Florida and is known for being hot and humid most months of the year, except for a few months in the winter. And rain is almost always in the forecast. It's almost guaranteed to rain on your trip. So that's certainly something to take into consideration. And it's something you want to make sure you're prepared for as well. Another huge category that we have to talk about is the attractions. You might assume that some of the attractions are the same because they have the same names, but that isn't necessarily true for all of them. It pains me to say this because I do not like picking favorites in any way, shape, or form, but most of the attractions that exist at both Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World are better at Disneyland Resort. To be honest, this topic could be a whole episode, so while I will touch on enough information for you to get a feel for this topic, I won't give you every single little detail, otherwise we would be here for hours. So if this is something you want me to expand upon in a further episode, I would be more than happy to do that. Just let me know. You can email me or message me on Instagram anytime. So I know it might be helpful to kind of give some examples of the attractions that have the same names but are different. So of course, Splash Mountain, which no longer technically exists because it's being reimagined into Tiana's Bayou Adventure, is very different. So at Disneyland, it's one person per row and you will get absolutely soaked like to the point where it feels like you dove headfirst into a swimming pool soaked. At Walt Disney World, you sit side by side, you have a lap bar, and I feel like you get more of like a respectable amount of soaked (laughs) or wet because you're not really soaked necessarily at Walt Disney World. So that's one difference. Pirates of the Caribbean is another one that is different and it is better at Disneyland. It is longer. It tells more cohesive story. It has more scenes and it has two drops instead of just one. It's a Small World is another one that's better at Disneyland. It has this beautiful facade that is outside. It's very large. The attraction itself also has an outdoor portion. 
portion. It has topiaries in that outdoor portion, which are beautiful, and it even incorporates Disney characters throughout the attraction as well. Space Mountain is another one that's better at Disneyland. It is a smoother experience. It has in-ride audio on the rockets, and you sit two per row, and it is not in that kind of awkward sled style seating like the one at Walt Disney World. So those are some examples of attractions with the same names that are different experiences between the two resorts. I feel like that was obviously very Disneyland heavy. Like I said, though, most of them are better at Disneyland. But at Walt Disney World, of course, there are some things that are better too. For example, the Little Mermaid attraction is the same, but technically it's different because the queue is much more intricate and amazing at Walt Disney World. So Walt Disney World definitely wins there. Same with Midway Mania. It's the same attraction, but because of the queue and the fact that it's in a whole Toy Story themed land. So Walt Disney World definitely wins in some of the categories as well. And then of course, there are some attractions that are exactly the same. They're identical, like Rise of the Resistance and Smuggler's Run. Not only do some of the attractions have the same names, but are slightly different experiences in some way, shape, or form. But there are also a lot of unique attractions and lands at both Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World. For example, at Disney California Adventure, they have Cars Land, Pixar Pier, and Avengers Campus, and they all have unique attractions in them. At Disneyland, there's Mickey's Toontown and New Orleans Square, which is my favorite land at Disneyland, if you don't count Main Street, because obviously that's by far my favorite. Well, Disney World has a lot of unique lands because it has extra parks. It also has a lot of attractions that do not exist at Disneyland Resort because of all of the extra parks and all of the extra attractions. It also has those two water parks that Disneyland Resort does not have. So some very quick examples for you are things like Toy Story Land, Tower of Terror, Frozen Ever After, and much, much more. Again, this could be a whole episode. So if you want that, just let me know. Another important topic to cover is dining. At Disneyland, I would say overall it's less competitive to get advanced dining reservations since the primary attendance does come from locals that are not competing for the dining reservations most of the time. That being said, of course, make sure you make your advanced dining reservations in advance so that you don't miss out on anything that you want to do while you're there. I think another factor that plays into that is that guests are trying to make use of a shorter amount of time time most of the time when they go to Disneyland and so they just don't want to spend as much time dining overall. The next thing I'm about to say, I can't believe that I'm about to say, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this because every time I bring this up, I get a lot of angry messages from people, but I do think it's important to share and talk about for people that are used to Walt Disney World dining. Overall, we just don't care for the dining options as much at Disneyland Resort and we feel like they are very lackluster in comparison to Walt Disney World. We just feel like the quality is not there for most of the restaurants. A huge reason on why I say this is because the gluten-free options are not good at Disneyland Resort. Most of them are lackluster and some of the dining locations don't even have anything gluten-free at all and they can't make anything for you, which is really weird because if you're used to Walt Disney World, you are used to having tons of options if you have food allergies and also like chefs are always willing to accommodate you and make something special just for you if there's nothing on the menu that you want or if there's nothing gluten-free on the menu itself. But unfortunately, that's just not the case at Disneyland Resort for whatever reason. It just seems like they have completely different dining policies and teams and chefs. But even Michael, who has 
has no food restrictions in any way, no food allergies, no food sensitivities, no diet restrictions. He also feels like the food just isn't as good overall. At Walt Disney World, on the other hand, advanced dining reservations are very competitive, especially for the very popular dining experiences. And it's typically more a part of someone's vacation. People do use dining reservations to get out of the heat, for example, and take breaks. And most of the time, people are spending more days at Walt Disney World, which means that they are more likely to want to have sit-down dining experiences. Overall, we love dining at Walt Disney World. We feel like the quality is much higher and it is a huge part of our vacations. And like I mentioned earlier, there are tons of gluten-free options at every table service and they can easily modify pretty much anything on the menu if you just ask. Walt Disney World is definitely a lot more allergy-friendly overall and the options are actually good. The next category I wanted to cover is the overall experience. I personally feel that Disneyland Resort is better for short trips and most people will usually pair it with other activities in California. They typically don't just go just to go to Disneyland Resort. But that being said, of course you can and we've done that plenty of times. Because there's not as much to do at Disneyland Resort, it's really easy to get everything you want done in a shorter amount of time. And quite frankly, it's a lot harder to spend a week at Disneyland Resort because you kind of just run out of things to do after a couple of days. That being said, you could, of course, but it's just not as ideal of a vacation length, if you will, for Disneyland Resort. I typically recommend three to four days for Disneyland Resort. Overall, we personally feel that Disneyland Resort feels a lot like visiting home, but in the sense that you are, you know, visiting something old and familiar that isn't just Disney, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if that does or not. It definitely has a little bit less of a bubble feel. It feels like you're in California visiting Disney rather than you're at Disney, if that makes sense. But overall, you can't beat the weather. You can't beat the attention to detail. And a lot of the attractions that exist in both locations are better at Disneyland Resort. At Walt Disney World, on the other hand, we feel like it is truly a vacation destination. I have been joking since we moved here that Walt Disney World is the vacation destination of the world. And I do feel like that is true. People from all over the world regularly visit Walt Disney World and they stay here sometimes for a month. You can easily spend a week or even more here and you still wouldn't even scratch the surface. There's just so much to see and do, not only at Walt Disney World, but in the greater Orlando area. Personally, it really feels a lot more like a vacation destination to us personally and it has much better dining options, which really adds to the overall experience. We also really enjoy that bubble feeling and just being able to forget about everything, not having to worry about transportation. And it just feels like Disney takes care of everything and you can just kind of forget about all of your problems and fully integrate into the Disney bubble, which is a more relaxing experience for us as well. Now that you have all that information, I hope that it helps you decide which location is best for your vacation if you've never been to either before, or it just kind of gives you a better feel for what one is like over the other and what experience you can expect from each of the different locations, especially if you've only been to one. The purpose of this episode was to keep things very high level for you and to not overwhelm you with too much information about what to expect from each of these locations. As I've kind of mentioned throughout the episode, if you want me to dive deeper into the different attractions or the dining experiences or the lands or the resorts 
or anything else, I would be more than happy to do so. Just let me know what your requests are. I would also like to say a huge thank you to everyone that has signed up to be a part of my Patreon community. I will never forget those of you that are founding members and the fact that you believe in me just brings tears to my eyes every single time that I think about it. I'm having so much fun getting to know all of you and to connect on a deeper level. If you would like to be a part of our magical community, then consider joining our Patreon community. You will get authentic insights and exclusive content, including a podcast that is just for you, and even the opportunity to join video calls where we get to know each other better. It's a really fun way to keep the magic alive at home. The link to join is in the show notes. Until next time, may your caffeine be strong. May the force be with you always. I love each and every one of you and I will see you real soon. If you are exiting, please hold on to the handrails and stand clear of the doors until Monorail Supply Co.'s podcast stops completely and the doors open. For those of you remaining on board, get ready for another magical episode.